welcome to another podcast of the Word of God. We are currently reading scriptures from the Daily Lectionary in the Book of Common Prayer for the second Sunday of Easter. The second Sunday of Easter. So we have covered Holy Week, which is our preparation for Jesus' death and his burial. And last week, Easter week, we celebrate his resurrection on Sunday. And then the following week, we look at the scriptures regarding his resurrection from the dead, particularly in Acts and some beautiful scriptures in the Old Testament that talk about the coming of the Lord and the joy of the Lord and his graciousness and his mercy and his goodness. And of course, in John, we looked at chapters 14, 15, and 16. I hope you enjoyed that reading of, of those wonderful scriptures in John. Uh, and this week, we will be looking at John 17 and then beginning the Gospel of Luke, the Gospel of Luke. So let's begin by looking at the Old Testament, and we are going to look at the book of Daniel. Now, I love the book of Daniel because it has great stories. And because our podcast is about 20 minutes long, I can't go through every story with you in, in great detail. I would love to. I could go through each story in 20 minutes. There is, it, they are wonderful. But I hope if you have not read Daniel before in your life, you will very much enjoy Daniel. We're going to look at chapters 1, 2, and 3. Now, we are in the later years of Israel. If you look at Daniel chapter 1, verse 1, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the vessels of the houses of God. And he brought him to this house. And he had different people that would be working with them in Babylon. And Daniel was one of those great people. And so we are in bondage. We're carried away. This is about 565, 70 BC. Okay? Babylon has destroyed Israel, 587 raised the temple, sent people into captivity, we are in Babylon. And what we have is the extraordinary adventure of Daniel. Now, Daniel is one of my favorite, if not my favorite, Old Testament person. He is faithful. He is godly. He is courageous. He is dutiful. He prays. He is a fantastic witness for the Old Testament uh, in terms of modeling the faith, uh, modeling the faith of Israel, and uh, he, uh, he gives us several beautiful stories that we can choose from in the book of Daniel. Okay, so in chapter 1, we have Daniel's faithfulness. Daniel's being taken to Babylon, and he serves the king very well. In chapter 2, we have the very famous story about the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, who had problems with his sleep, and like Joseph, Daniel was able to interpret dreams. Remember Joseph? Joseph is Genesis 37 to Genesis 50. Now, fast forward many, many years later, 
And now we are in the book of Daniel, and Daniel has this amazing skill to interpret dreams. Now, the Babylonian astrologers and prophets do not have this skill. They cannot interpret the dream. Verse 10, there's not a man on earth, chapter 2, there's not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand, for no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. Chaldeans are the Babylonians. The thing that the king asked is difficult. No one can show it to the king except the gods, whose dwelling is not with flesh. So the king got very angry, very furious. He commanded all the wise men to be destroyed. So the decree went out, and the wise men were about to be killed, and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Here's what Daniel did. He replied with prudence and discretion to the captain of the guard who had gone out to kill the wise men. He said to them, Why is the decree of the king so urgent? And Arioch made the matter known to Daniel. Then Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. So before everybody died, including Daniel, Daniel had enough sense to say, uh, I'd like to talk to the king about this. So he goes to his house. He praises the Lord. And the king tells him the dream. And guess what happens? Daniel interprets the dream. So that's what chapter 2 is about. He interprets the dream, and he is promoted by King Nebuchadnezzar. And we see this in, on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday as we go through chapter 2. He is promoted. He falls on his face in verse 46. He pays homage to Daniel. He worships Daniel. He commands that an offering and incense be offered up to him. Truly your God is God of gods, Lord of kings, and revealer of uh, mysteries, for you've been, un you've been able to reveal this mystery. The king gave Daniel high honors and many great gifts and made him ruler of the whole province of Babylon and chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. That is amazing. Daniel made a request to the king in verse 49, and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, very famous people, as you'll see later on, over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel remained to the king's court. All right? In chapter 3, we have Nebuchadnezzar's golden image, and we have the fiery furnace. Okay? Now, they were supposed to, all the people were supposed to bow down to Nebuchadnezzar. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not and would not. Verse 16. O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. So Nebuchadnezzar was going to kill them by casting them into the fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, if he doesn't deliver us, and he could, this is God, let it be known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you've set up. We are not going to bow down to your image, Nebuchadnezzar. We are not going to bow down to you. We are not going to worship you. We're going to only worship God. The king was filled with fury. 
He was so upset. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated. He cast them into the fiery furnace. They fell down into the burning fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar, this verse 24, was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound in the fire? True, O king, but I see four men unbound, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the appearance is like the son of the gods. Many people believe that's Jesus, pre-incarnate. That's Jesus, with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We don't know that for sure, but I, I believe that it is. I can't think of anyone that would be called the son of the gods or that could survive being in a fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar came to the door. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come in here. So they came out of the fire. They were in the fire. Watch what happens. The satraps, the prefects, the governors, the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not any power over the bodies of these men. The hairs of their head were not singed. Their cloaks were not burned. No smell of the fire came upon them. Nebuchadnezzar said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach. Meshach and Abednego who has seen his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god therefore I make a decree this is the king of Babylon most powerful country in the world at that time any nation people or language that speaks anything against the god of Shadrach Meshach and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb and their Houses laid in ruins, for there's no other God who is able to rescue in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. They would not bow. They would only worship their God. They said, God can save us, but we don't know if he will. They were cast into the fire. A fourth person joined them, possibly Jesus. There was not even a smell not even a smell of fire on them. And of course, Nebuchadnezzar got the point. Beautiful line. In our New Testament reading, we're looking at 1 John. 1 John. Now, where is 1 John? 1 John is before Revelation and after 2 Peter. 1 John 1, 2, and 3 is what you'll be reading this week along with Daniel 1, 2, and 3. Now, 1 John is very, very, very good. Yes, John is the same person that wrote the Gospel of John, and he's the same person that wrote the Revelation, and he wrote an epistle. So this is an extraordinary, extraordinary man. So we are reading John 17 and 1 John simultaneously. I mean, if, if we could read Revelation, 1 John, and John, we'd read all of his books at the same time. And all three genres are completely different. This is why, in many people's view, John is the most amazing writer because he's writing a, an apocalypse. He's writing a letter like Paul who wrote 13 and he's writing a gospel and he was only one of four men to do that. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, as you know. And as I've said to you in previous Word of God podcasts, I believe, it's my belief that the best book of the Bible, of the 66th book, in my view, is the Gospel of John. If I could only have one book, I would take the Gospel of John. Well, 
1 John 1, 2, and 3 is beautiful, and it is deep, and is much to reflect on, and I commend it very highly to your reading and your study. I just want to read a couple of lines to you, and again, encourage you to read slowly. The words make lots of sense. They're not difficult to read, much like the stories in Daniel this week. The stories are alive. They're very powerful, and I think you will easily, readily understand the point that God is making in the text. That which was from the beginning, John, 1 John 1, 1, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes. So this is a good text for um, Easter. We have seen him, we have heard him, we have touched him. And of course, he's alive because we're celebrating uh, after his resurrection in Easter week, our seven weeks of Easter, right? This life was made manifest, verse 2, we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and made manifest to us. We have heard him, we have proclaimed him, our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ, and we, were, we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Now, I'm writing these things to you, much like He did in the Gospel, so that you will be full of joy, you will deepen your relationship with Christ, you will know what Christ wants you to do. Uh, we are presuming and assuming that the Holy Spirit is going to speak to John, and John is going to tell us what he wants us to know through Christ. John chapter, 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So he tells us about the world. He tells us about our relationship with Christ. He tells us, as we'll see next week, about love, about loving one another and the importance of loving one another. He says the world, chapter 2, verse 17, is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. That's what's important. This world is passing away, people, but what we need to do is what God has called to do in the Word of God as He reveals His will to us, okay? This is why your reading of these scriptures is important. I'm so glad so many of you are joining us week by week so that we can go through the scriptures together. I want to encourage you to read. I want to encourage you on a daily basis to read if you can. I want to encourage you to set aside some time so you can let these words sink into your brain. And it really doesn't matter whether you're hearing them or reading them the first time or the 50th time. They're, they are so profound. They are so tra um, transformative. Uh, they are so transcendent that they, uh, it, you really can't confine them to time. And then finally, in 1 John chapter 3, we have the wonderful readings about loving one another in 1 through 10 and then 11 to 18. This is the message that you've heard from the beginning, verse 11. We should love one another. We should love one another. Verse 16. By this we know that he laid down his life for us, remember his death for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Okay? And so he's talking about sinfulness. He's talking about loving God. He's talking about loving Christ. He's talking about loving one another. And again, Jesus has been resurrected. The epistle lesson is teaching us how we should live after his resurrection. We are concluding our study of John in John 17, which I made reference to last week when we looked at John 14, 16, and 17. And in John 17, we have this extraordinary conversation between the Father and the Son. Now remember, and I can't fully appreciate that, and neither can you, 
The Father and the Son have been in communion with one another for all time. Remember that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Holy Trinity, never not existed. Or to say it positively, they have always existed. How did they begin? No idea, but they have no beginning. They are eternal. And so this relationship they've had is eternal. And Jesus is speaking these words with his eyes to heaven, and he's talking about what he's done in terms of glorifying God. He's talking about how he has done his work before he turns himself in in chapter 18 and 19 he's killed. I've manifested your name to the people's verse 6, whom you've given me out of the world. Yours they were, and you have given them to me, and they have kept your word. Now I know that everything that you have given me is from you. I have given them the words that you gave me, verse 8, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. So what we have is this extraordinary relationship in John 14, 15, 16, and 17, that John records for us, between the Father and the Son. And then we have this extraordinary relationship between Jesus and us. So we are called to enter into that relationship. We are called to know God and love God and love Christ in that relationship. And he prays in verse 20, I do not ask for these only, but for those who do not believe in me through their word that they may be one just as you, Father, are in me and I am in you, that they may be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. So Jesus is going to ascend into heaven. He's going to send the Holy Spirit, Acts chapter 2, which we talked about last week. They are going to witness to Christ in his resurrection. The relationship that the Father has with the Son, Jesus wants us to have with the Father and the Son. And in that relationship, done well particularly, we are going to witness to that relationship of the Father and the Son through our witness of the Father and the Son and to the reality of that. So after Jesus is raised from the dead on Easter Day, that just begins the ministry that all of us have in terms of proclaiming who the Father is and who the Son is. And he says in verse 26, I have made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. It's a very mystical, profoundly theological, philosophical, amazing uh, chapter. And I hope that, again, you will enjoy it and will uh, receive all the richness contained therein. You could read this for the rest of your life. Finally, we're looking at the book of Luke. We are going to begin our journey of Luke, which will take some time. And we have journeyed in Matthew and uh, in John. We pick up parts of John uh, throughout the church year. And, of course, we have, the, we have the birth of Jesus that we celebrated in Christmas. And we have Jesus in the temple, which we celebrate a little bit in Epiphany. And we begin in chapters 3 and 4 with John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, who goes before him very famously, and shares with everybody about the coming of Jesus. Then he gets baptized. Uh, Jesus does by his cousin John. This is in, John, uh, in Luke chapter 3, 21 to 22. 
And then we see the genealogy of Jesus, which goes all the way back to Adam. So we're seeing how Luke sets up for us the humanity of Jesus. And then Jesus begins his ministry in chapter 4. But he first begins by being tempted by the devil in the wilderness. And he is successful in moving forward in his temptation in the wilderness. So I'm assuming that you have looked at chapters 1 and 2 of Luke. If you have not looked at them, you might want to read them in preparation for chapter 3 and 4. But in 1 and 2, we're looking at Jesus' birth and John's birth. And Jesus is being raised. Uh, raised up by his parents, uh, Mary and Joseph. And then he begins his ministry at 30 years old. John the Baptist comes before him, baptizes him. He is tempted by the devil in the wilderness. And as we'll pick it up next week in the third Sunday of uh, Easter, we will be looking at Jesus's ministry in the Gospel of Luke. God bless you and have a wonderful week of reading and prayer and hearing what the Holy Spirit tells you through these great, great scriptures. God bless you.